Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that you are here. You're present with us. God, and you have our hearts and our minds and our bodies in your thoughts. You're thinking about the best for us. You're thinking about what is perfect will for us, God. And we just thank you for that, God, that you just are always constantly thinking about it, us and you always have the um, good intentions for us, God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, you guys doing good? Yeah. All right, good. So, um, we've been in this series shift, and um, I was thinking about this, and, you know, I, I tend to do this every now and then, is I'll, I'll, if we get a small group together, I'll, I'll start doing some different teachings on, um, you know, different topics that I don't really talk about in the church that often. I mean, I, I may t- touch on it once a year, but um, this is something that I feel like um, God has placed in his design for the church. But um, I'm going to start, I'm going to teach on it today and I may finish it up next week. I may finish it up a couple weeks from now. I'm not quite sure where God leads me on that. But um, the shift series we've been in and I really wanted to talk to you about leadership. And so I'm calling this leadership because I, I believe that God can change your mind and change your thoughts and your heart on the way you relate to leaders the way you relate to your bosses, the way you relate to the people in your life that God has placed in authority over you. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is they think, oh, Matt and Sarah lead this church, but we have people that have authority over us. And people don't realize that. People think, oh, well, they lead a church. They, there, there's no authority. First of all, it's God. And we're, submi- we're submitted to God. But I have a good four or five leaders that will come up and, and they either correct me, they will say something to me and say, hey, we, we really thought that was off a little bit or we, we may say, hey, why don't you try doing it this way? And we're like, okay. And I've got people that are my own age that I can, that will speak into my life and I consider them leaders because they have more wisdom in certain areas. And then I have people that are in their 60s and 50s, 60s and 70s that speak into my life because I need a leader. No matter if you're a leader, if you're not a leader, you need a leader. If you are a leader, you need a leader. So no matter where you are in your life, you need leaders because it, God has designed that for us. God designed um, us for leadership. Uh, he designed every human to be a leader, to lead in one area of your life, whether it was your job, your home, your kids, your wife, your, you know, wherever you're at, God has designed you to lead. And there's a lot of misconceptions, lies, and experiences some of you have experienced in when it comes to leadership and when it comes to um, what should have what should be godly leadership in your life. You know, God has designed us to be leaders from the moment we're created. God laid out a structure for us. He laid out um, a, a structure, and it talks about in the in the Old Testament, God created man and He created woman. And, you know, we can get into that debate, oh, you know, a man's and, and, you know, it's a man's and woman, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to get into that debate because God created man and he created woman. And it says in the New Testament, it says man is the head of the house, but it says, what does it say? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But it says, what does it say after that? A lot of times men are like, yeah, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But then it says, men, love your wife like the body of Christ. Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> that, that you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, woman's supposed to submit to me, but yeah, but are you loving her the way that Christ loves the church? Man is supposed to lead the woman 
But what happened in the, in the fall is when, when the, the mindset of leadership changed. Man was supposed to love his wife. She was supposed to submit to him and he was supposed to lead and they were supposed to be co-heirs in the kingdom of, in the garden. They were supposed to rule and reign over the garden. And what happened was is the sin came in. Man blamed the woman. The woman just took it and said, I'll just still follow him even though he was a, blamed her for it, was a bad leader. And then it just spiraled, snowballed after that. Man's desire became not to lead, but to rule over. See, that's the problem with, with sin is it came into our lives and instead of us leading and saying, hey, take my hand, follow me, it says, oh, I'm going to dominate over you. I'm going to tell you who you are, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it. We've all had bosses like that. I'm telling you, if you haven't, you're, you're lying. Um, everybody's had someone, a boss or somebody in your life that's been like, I, I'm in charge, you're going to do what I say. You know, that's the mindset. Um, you know, you hear the, the the parenting tips like you know, don't tell your kid, "Hey, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out." That that's not good leadership. There, um, we were made to rule over Earth and have dominion, but sin made us desire to dominate over each other, made us to rule over each other. The 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 mindset when you when you are thinking about leadership, we think, "Well, I'm in charge, and they have to do what I have to, uh, do what I say." That's that's completely garbage. That is, that is the, on the smallest scale at the smallest part of the ladder when it comes to leadership. Freedom of Christ will release you from the desire to control or to dominate over it when you are in your walk with Christ and in your, in your workplace and when you're in your home and when you're, your family, your, your kids, whatever it is, if you allow Christ in, Allowing to understand who you are. Like that song said, he, he's a good father. He's not brutal. He's not mean. He's not a taskmaster. He says, my yoke is easy and light. So if God was mean, then the leadership that I was just talking about that was wrong would be, be okay, that's how God is. That's how I lead. But it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Sin came in separated us from God and says, you know what? Okay, now you're going to want to say, well, I'm in charge of you and you have to do what I say. I love watching little kids, like when Sarah was working in the preschool, little kids are like, it's my turn. You have to do what I say now. And and, and that's, but that's what sin does. Says it's 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 my turn. You have to do what I, I say now. For some of you, leaders have been cruel, brutal, mean, distant, um, just neglectful, but God gave leaders to guide us. Every one of us in this room. God gave us leaders to guide us. And it doesn't mean, oh, that way, and then just walk away. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So he's saying, I have, a, I, I'm leading you. Christ is leading me. Follow me. Because when you're a leader, people follow you. Whether you like it or not. You lead them down bad roads, you lead them down good roads, but they will follow you. I mean, we look in Nazi Germany. A lot of people followed some nut job and destroyed half of Europe. So if we we really think about it, leadership is not just something that God gives us once we're born again. It is something that he gives us from the moment we are conceived that is it's predestined in us to be a leader. And that is every one of us. But some of us have had that those those bad run-ins and those those upset times where we've run into leaders, but that's not what God wants. That's what not how God wants us to relate to leaders. 
See, I knew I wouldn't be getting a lot of amens during this, so it's okay. It's okay. This is something that it's 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 a touchy subject for a lot of people, and you know what? It's okay. I'll just keep poking it with a stick. It's all right. Um, but God wants us. But God wants us to have leaders in our life to guide us, to lead us into a deeper walk with Christ. I can say there's been people in my life that um, who are old enough to be my dad, but they've they've been good leaders. They they set up a foundation in me. They set up uh, good biblical principles in me. They they taught me those things, so I can say you know I wouldn't be up here if they didn't teach me those things. My dad was a good was a good father. I had good biblical leaders in my life to teach me the things that I needed to learn, the good foundational things of, of who God is, and that led me into a deeper walk with Christ. You know, when God designed us to have leaders in our life, He designed us to be able to submit to that person. So when some one of the leaders in my life says, "You know, I think you should change this," like, "Okay, you're right. I'll change that." And it requires us to submit to them. And what happens uh, if we if we do it in the proper manner? It, requ- it requires us to grow. But what it leads to is biblical maturity. It leads us to be a mature Christian. Paul says, it, "Until we all come into full maturity, until we come into the maturity of, of who Christ is, we're going to need those people in our life." The only, even Jesus had a leader. He goes to his father and he says, hey, if you can, he's in the garden right before his crucifixion. He says, can you take this from me? You're asking me to do this. You take this cup from me. Can the, cru- the crucifixion pass from me? But he says, it's not what I want. It's what you want. He was following his leader. God gave us those leaders to, to di- direct us in the path that we should go. It's called discipleship. You know, some of us have been hurt by leaders. Some of you have been hurt by leaders. It's unfortunate, sad, hurtful, but, but there comes a point where it's like, do we harbor that and say, you know what? Oh, I'm so, I'm so upset about this and I can't ever go back to church for this because this one person controls my entire destiny because they did one thing to me. So am I going to allow my walk with Christ, everything about me, to to be controlled by that person and say, you know what? No, I have a no, you look and say, no, I have a destiny, I have a calling in my life, and I'm gonna go towards what God has for me. I want better for my family, I want better for my 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 marriage. But what people do is they like, oh, they said one thing to me, and they did this, and they or they did this, they there was multiple things, but you know what? What did Jesus say? He's he's hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What happens is is people will abuse you. Any any area of your life. You're going to have people in leadership and you're going to have people that are, are under you in leadership that are going to take advantage of you. They're going to abuse you. They're going to say things about you. And it's okay. It happens. It's it's normal. But when we submit to leadership, what happens is maturity starts to happen. Because it says, you know what, I'm gonna start I'm gonna stand still and not run around and say, Okay, well I'm just gonna go from I love it when people are like, Well, my pastor's on TV. I'm like, Oh, 
So when he tells you that you need to change things in your life, does it happen? Well, he doesn't say that. Well, then he's not your pastor. Here, here's the thing. You can, submission to leadership comes from submitting into the culture of the church and into the, the body of, of Christ and saying, this is my body. I'm going to submit myself to this body. And whatever happens, I'm going to be okay with it. Because good leadership doesn't have bad intentions. Good leadership says, you know what? I see gold in you and I see something that's of value in you. And I'm going to dig it out. I'm going to refine it. Because Jesus says that no man can enter the kingdom except through... Come on, you guys can get it. Yeah. No man enters the kingdom of God except through himself. So... Without Jesus, we can't get to heaven. It's clear. Red, white, black, white. It's all in the Bible. And it said that multiple times. No man comes to the Father except through me. No man comes into the kingdom without coming through me first. Jesus says, I am the door. He is the door to the Father. But so many times we think of leadership as well, I just want to, I'm going to follow them and I'm just going to go to church and they're the leader of the church or they're the leader in my life or they're the leader at work. And, and what happens is, is this, is in order for us to grow, yes, this is a lot about leadership, but this is about growing. Leaders are their designed there. for. So we think Jesus, oh, he was a great leader. He loved his disciples and he encouraged them. I want to tell you right now, Jesus loved his disciples. He encouraged them. But I'm going to read you a scripture right now. You guys can turn to Mark 8.33. I'm reading from the ESV. But Jesus, turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. What did he do? He said, get behind me, Satan. Wow. When Jesus says that to the one, to the, the, the person that he really, really loves, that's harsh. That's, it's harsh. But what does he say? For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He was a little harsh to him. And it wasn't that be, because he was, he was, oh, I can't stand him. It's a, it, what he was doing. And if you read the entire passage, Peter was basically saying, no, you're not going to have to do what the will of the Father is for your life. You don't have to go through that, God. We're going to do this and we're going to do this. Peter's trying to plan out the life of Jesus. And he's like, no, stop. Because what Peter was doing was doing the same thing that Satan did when Jesus was tempted on the, the mount. And he's like, you know what? Hey, just jump off the, t- jump off this high place. You know, the angels will catch you and you'll be good. Peter was trying to set him back up into the place of being tempted to say, you can, pe- you can get out of what your responsibility is from the Father. He's saying, what he's, Peter is saying, not even realizing is go around your Father and do what you want to do. And Jesus, who is in perfect submission, says, you know what? No. He's like, I know who's talking to me at this point. He's like, no, stop. This is the will for me. This is what my father has. So we see Jesus. He corrected his disciples. He corrected them, but he also loved them. He was teaching them how to be. He was When they were his disciples, he was correcting them and rebuking them and, and, and showing them and leading them and guiding them. And then... That way, when he left, they could become apostles. He had to train them in order so they could become apostles. It wasn't because he, he, Jesus even said, it's been, he goes, I've been with you three years and you still don't get it sometimes. I mean, this is Jesus. Perfect. 
100% God, 100% man, and, a per, and, and functioning 100% in the perfect will of God. And he's like, y'all don't get it sometimes. And then we look at 2 Timothy 2.23-26. And this is Paul. He's talking to the Corinthian people and he says, have nothing to do with foolishness. Ignorant controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone. Be able to teach, patiently endure evil. That's a tough one right there. I'm just saying, it's hard to patiently endure evil. You're like, oh. Um, correcting his oppo- opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. Then they may become to, come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So, Paul is saying he's correcting them to, to drag them out, to bring them to their senses away from the snare of the enemy. It says they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That means Paul is correcting not just because he wants to be rough and gruff. If you want to see uh, the, the gruffest apostle ever, l- read the apostle Paul. Some of his writings to them, I'm like, oh man, he, that, that's just, that's just brutal. I'm like, but he's being honest with them because he knows that the truth will set them free. But he's saying, I'm correcting you to drag you away from the things that have ensnared you by the enemy. But down the road, Paul sends another letter to one of the other churches and he says, put on the new self. And he's encouraging them and he's exhorting them. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to correct you, but I'm going to, I'm going to finish it up with encouragement saying you can go on he says if there excuse me if then you have been raised with christ seek the things that are above where christ is seated at the right hand of the father set your minds on the things that are above not on the things of the earth for you have died and your life is hidden in christ when christ is your when christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory okay so i want to stop there I, i i don't know if some of you understand this or not but um that's a tough script. Some people may not understand that. And that scripture, for me, when I was younger, I didn't understand that. You know, I went to a uh, Christian school. We read the Bible. We had to memorize scripture. I totally never did it. Just read it. Never. And they're like, oh, you got to recite your memory verse. I'm like, nah, pass. Um, but he said, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what that means is this, is, is when we accept Christ, Jesus Christ as the Savior of our lives, that means that the, our will, our emotions... Our own sin nature in us dies and he gets buried with Christ and it's raised up. So when God sees us, says your life is hidden in Christ, that means that when we are born again, we are entering, we have submitted our lives over to Christ. That means that Christ basically wraps himself around us so that when God views us, he sees Christ Jesus. So that means that when as sinners, even though we still may fall short, says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that means Christ Jesus puts himself around us and he says, you know what? Hey, so God sees and goes, oh, all I see is perfection. I see my son. I see that the blood that he shed on the cross is covering them. Verse 5 goes on. He says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these wrath, of, uh, excuse me. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
And these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you have put them all put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our Creator. So Paul is saying, hey, this is what you shouldn't do, but this is what you should do. And he's encouraging, this is what you need to do. Put on the new self. So, we look at this scripture and it's like, okay, yeah, he's, he's telling us not what, what not to do. And, and in a, in a broken system of leaders and, and followers not being in a healthy relationship with each other, this can look like correction. But it's not. Paul's encouraging him, hey, make sure you cast off the old stuff. Put on the new man. And so what happens is, is in a jaded view of, of leaders and people who are following and discipling, this can instantly, in a, in a, in a heart that has been hurt, in a person that has been hurt, this can instantly look like correction. If you read it from an objective view, it says, first thing he says, if you've been raised up with Christ, seek after the things that are above. He's reminding them, God has something for you. It's not, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. There's a couple of scriptures where Paul's like telling the church, you need to just stop because you're crazy. But here he's encouraging them. He's like, there are good things. Put on the good things and cast off the bad things. And there's so, it's such a fine line because we're all human. We all fall short. We all have sin. We all have our own motives sometimes. And sometimes things don't come out of the mouth like they should. And sometimes people receive them harshly. And sometimes people don't know how to relate or don't know how to um, understand what is being said. But the goal of leaders is not to correct people and and oh you need to do this and you need to do this you need to do this when that when that comes into play that is because the leader sees value in someone leaders don't correct people if they don't if they don't see value in them they don't say things to people if they don't feel like they have potential leaders above all else should be trying to draw out what god has placed in a person we, we are designed, it, my goal, Sarah's goal, the goal of the leaders in our lives is to draw out what God has in us and our goal is to draw out what God has in you. Because we see that there is good in you. We see that God has a plan and a purpose and a, and a, a calling in your life. God has placed leaders in your life to help you become a mature per- person, a mature Christian. Because it says in uh, Timothy, says every wind of doctrine don't be blown back and forth back and forth if you're one of those persons who is blown back and forth by everything that comes into your life you need to find someone to 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 grab hold of and to hold on to what did peter do he um jesus is walking on the water and um 
his disciples are like freaking out. There's some ghost coming at us. You know, it's like some guy. And, and Jesus is walking out on the water and they're, they're like, who is it? Who is it? And he's like, come to me. Can you imagine that, that step of trust to put that leg over the side of the boat and be like, kind of like touching the water. You're like, I don't know about this. You know, it's like getting out of a hammock. It's like, how's this gonna end up? I don't know. Am I gonna, am I gonna fall? Am I gonna, am I, am I gonna get, one day I was trying to get out of the hammock and I had like something in my hand. I had my toe caught and I'm just like, and I'm like, I don't know. But it's that, it's that feeling of, I don't know what's gonna happen. So, Peter's, uh, he's trying to get out of that hammock and he's like, oh boy, here we go. And he's touching, he's probably just tapping his toe on the water, like, okay. And he gets out. And, and everybody's like, oh, Jesus let him walk out. It was his faith to come out. And he walked out to him, and he came out to him, and he's like, Master. And he called, Master was basically, he was submitting himself to it, and then he saw the waves, and he gets out to him, and he's like, hey, I got to Jesus. Then he's like, oh crap, there's a lot of stuff around here. Because he lost sight of who he, who he was focusing on. And what happens? He starts to sink. But Jesus, because he loves him, and I guarantee it wasn't like, oh, he got up to his ankles and Jesus grabs him. It was, it was, Enough. Okay, think about this. You're standing on a platform, and then that platform goes out from underneath you. Yeah. It's not a gradual, slow descent. You know, like oh, here we go, quicksand. It's like boom. Jesus grabs him. I guarantee you, Peter's at least up to here, and Jesus grabs him and pulls him up because Jesus loved him, and he knew where he was in his faith that he had enough faith to get out there, but he didn't have enough faith to stand during the storm. That's good. And so he grabs him. And he probably didn't carry him back. I, you know, didn't throw him over his shoulder. He just walked back with him. But that's the love Jesus had for his, his followers. He was there to mature his disciples to become the apostles to carry out the, the great commission to bring the gospel to all ends of the earth. A leader's goal, my goal, Sarah's goal is to get you fully rooted and grounded and mature in your identity in Christ. That's my goal. Is so I Paul says, so we don't have to be babies. We don't need milk. We start to eat the meat. You coddle a baby. You guys know that. You coddle a baby. You carry the baby around. You 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 take care of it 24/7. But God doesn't want that. He wants us to become adults so 20 years from now you're not carrying him around. You're not carrying the baby around. You're, you're, he, he's, he's paying for stuff for you guys instead of you paying for things for him. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for mature people. He's like, I want to raise my, my children in the faith up to be mature people so that they're not wandering around going, feed me. Your job as a leader as a parent is to lead your children into becoming a mature person. Us as, as church leaders is to raise you up to become a mature person in Christ. To be rooted in your identity. So when the storms come, when things happen, you're like, no, this is not who I am. This is not what's going on. I know who my God is. I know who, who I am. And you're not blown everywhere. But that, that, that doesn't come for free. 
That comes with discipleship, that comes with correction, that comes with encouragement, and that comes with teaching, that comes with leading. All of those are included in becoming a mature person. All of those come with being in submission to leadership. Being corrected sucks. Even when it's a nice correction, you're like, I don't like that. (laughs) Sarah will be telling me something. I'm like, you're not my mom. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. But you know what? I can, there's times where I get frustrated because she says something, she sees something in me and I'm like, don't tell me what to do, woman. (laughs) But you know what? I know I've learned to over the years is learn to realize the wisdom she has and, and, and it's a mutual, it's a reciprocal thing because there's times where she'll be doing something. I'm like, you need to stop that. She's like, who, who's talking to me? I said, it's your husband right now. (laughs) But, yeah, but there's times where we have to re- be able to receive correction. And you know what? There's time, there's areas of this church that you guys don't even realize that she leads in and I don't ha- touch any of it because she's an excellent leader. And she has learned to submit to leadership in her life, but she also leads in a very, in a very great way. Yeah. But you will see this from her. You'll see it come with discipleship. You'll see correction. You'll see encouragement. You'll see teaching. You'll see leading. All of those are wrapped up into becoming a mature believer. And all of those are, are things that as leaders we have to do. And, and as parents, we have to do that too. My kids are not here so I can talk about them. My kids are awesome. I'm just letting y'all know. Some of the best kids you'll ever meet. And, but you know what? It doesn't come easy. It, it came from prayer after prayer for their lives, not even just the rest of them, but working out things. You know, working out fear, leading them through struggles. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15 says, Take care, brothers, let there be any evil in you, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort, encourage one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If we need, excuse me, if needed, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And he said, today, if you hear the voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the days of rebellion. So God did not place leaders to manipulate, to, um, and for us, you got, a lot of you guys don't know us enough to, to know our story. And I'm not going to get into it, but we, we've had amazing leaders in our life and we've had semi-good leaders and we've had bad leaders. And, and I appreciate every one of them. You know, I appreciate every one of them because they've taught me things, whether it was um, something good or they taught me something bad. I learned not, what to do, what not to do, and how to grow. But we also have to realize is that they're human. People are human. Their, their minds and emotions sometimes will get in the way of things. You know, I, I love, you know, when something happens and you get on uh, watching things on Facebook and people just tear these leader, local leaders apart or national leaders apart. It's, you know what? I don't care if you like them or not. God has placed them there. Whether you agree with their, their, you know, past presidents, future presidents, presidents, not whether you agree with them or not, they've been placed there for a reason. So whether they change it for the, the, the bad or for the good, they've been placed there for a reason. So if it's bad, that we will stand up. 
If it's good that we can rejoice in what it, what has been happening, but God has placed leaders, and and I love, you know, I I stay off of Facebook and I try not to comment and be a troll with these people who are just trashing people because I'm like, yeah, dumb. <laughs> so it's just so, so dumb to watch, and it's like you know what, you cannot change who is in charge of of leading this country or leading this area after you've already voted. You got four more years to wait for that. You got two more years to wait for that. So you know what? Acknowledge the leader for who they are. Pray for that leader and, and, and quit bad mouthing the leaders of our country and our, our areas, our counties, our state, because God has placed them there. And, and I think that if we, if we acknowledge leadership for what it is, that they're not perfect, but they're trying the best that they possibly can, that they, they're following what they believe. And, and for church leaders, they're doing the best they can. That they're not evil. They don't have evil intents. That they're following God's will for what the church, where the church is going. It'll change your heart. It'll change the way you think about it. Everybody's like, oh, leading's easy. Yeah, try it. The funny thing is everybody's like, oh, you gotta lead the church. You know what? What's really funny is a lot of people don't realize I'm responsible for every one of you sitting with your butts in the seats right now. I have to take account when I, when I meet at the end of time. When I go, I have to take account for every one of you. Do you remember that person? He's going to have his little checklist. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, that person. But that that checklist is going to be there, and I have to take account for that. Leadership is not one of these things where we're like, well, I can get as many people herded up in an area and tell them what to do. It's not. This is not farming. <laughs> this is not trying to you know wrangle people. Look how many people I got. So Paul says, when he's writing, he says, do not harden your heart. Because what happens is when you harden your heart, you instantly put on these glasses of, you ever, uh, see, when I was a kid, we had these little things you put up to the light and they had like little pieces. Anybody that's in their 30s remember this? And, yeah, kaleidoscope. There we go. I can't remember what they're called. But there were cardboard tubes and you always turn them. And you could always see something until somebody put their hand in front of you and, and you were doing it. And I was thinking about that and Every time you look through a kaleidoscope, it's always different. It changes the shape. It changes that. But what happens is, is this, is when we have a hard heart towards anything, that's how we see. It's always jaded. It's always never the same. We see it differently instead of seeing it for what it really is. There's this video, and I'm going to end with this. There's this video on um, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, or something like that I was looking at. And this guy's getting ready to weld something. And he starts to light it up, and you know, a guy sticks a sheet of paper in his front, and then he can't see it. And then he sticks it, and he gets, puts his helmet back down, and he goes, that's what hard-heartedness does. Hard-heartedness says, I'm getting ready to do something, but it's just, and you're like, what the heck? It's constantly blinding you from seeing what you're supposed to do. And so leadership is not there to say, oh, well, I'm just going to make you angry. Leadership is not there to say, well, it's it, this is what I'm going to do, and we're, you know... How can I, yeah, like, Sarah and I don't wake up every morning and go, how can I make people angry? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. Good leaders don't wake up and go, how can I um, offend my entire congregation today and um, make them want to leave? Um, okay. Yeah. Th- they don't. Good leaders go, how can I build these people? How can I, how can I put something into their life to make their life better? How can I in, inject truth into their life? And so it, you know, we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed. 
I woke up on the right side of the bed this morning because Sarah bought me a sleep mask so her blackout curtains that don't work, I could sleep. Yeah, she took care of me. But you sometimes we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Like this morning, I was a little frustrated. Stuff started breaking while we're setting up. I'm like, I just want to take it outside and throw it out. But it doesn't change how I feel about people. It doesn't change how I care about people. I may be frustrated at the moment and want to take this uh, everything outside and bend it and break it against the wall, but it doesn't change how I feel about people. It doesn't change how we. If I have a bad day, I don't want to. I don't come home and say, "You know what? I had a bad day. I'm going to go screw somebody's life up." I don't. It doesn't work that way. You know. So you may have had some bad leaders, and I'm sorry. It's unfortunate. You may have had bad parents. You may have had whatever. And I'm sorry for that. But God loves you. God is a good father. He wants good leaders in your life. He wants good people in your life. But what it comes from is this, is when you go to work and if you don't like your boss, you submit to him as you would submit to Christ. You submit to him as you would submit to the father. If you go to work and you, and you like your boss, awesome, great. But you still submit to them as you would submit to God. If you have bad leaders in your life, you know what? Sometimes you have to submit to them at that moment. But you know what? God rewards you for that. Because He brings you and He gives you freedom from that. He builds character. Bad leaders build character in you because it builds a resolution inside of you that says, you know what? I'm not going to stop. Someone told me, you can't do this anymore. I said, watch me. God designed leaders to build you, to put something in you. The lies, the hurts, the misconceptions that you have, take them, pull them out. This this is a, a weird act, but take it and just throw it out. Throw it out. Because God has not designed leaders. If God's heart is good and His His, His face shines on us and he, he has good compassion towards us, He would not put leaders, design leaders to be that way. Let's pray.